Yes! That is right, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're getting after it right now. We are getting after it right now. Wadapalooza is uh, is this week. It is absolutely here, finally. I think a lot of people are really excited about this. I'm really excited about this. Uh, I've been going to Wadapalooza uh, probably, I don't know, like five years now. Um, and it's been awesome every single time. Uh, can't complain. Wadapalooza is on a great event. It is uh, certainly, certainly a very good sanctional. I hope you guys are as pumped about this as I am. Um, thank you so much, everybody, for, for you know, being a little patient. I had some very slight technical issues. There was like a buzz coming in from uh, from some of the hookups here, and I had to restart the whole system right at the very end there. So hopefully you guys weren't, you know, kept waiting for too long. But either way, we do have a whole lot of stuff to talk about um, from workouts to athletes to you name it. There's just a whole lot of things that we've got to get into. I've got notes on my phone. I've got an iPad. I've got technology everywhere. I've got dogs napping in the living room. I've got hopefully improved audio if you guys are in on that action. But either way, let's uh, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about what to expect from Wadapalooza from, from just a general perspective, from a perspective of someone who's been there a bunch of times. Wadapalooza kind of sets itself up as um, like a, a big festival. They call it the fitness festival, the Wadapalooza Miami festival, right? That you'll see that on a lot of their branding, uh, just constantly talking about the festival feel. And it really does have a festival vibe to it more than I would say any other CrossFit sanctioned event, potentially rivaling that of the games, um, but in a slightly different way in that the CrossFit games are in Madison and Wadapalooza is in Miami. And while those cities both start with an M, there is a very small difference between the types of cities those two places are. So, you know, Miami is absolutely a, a a force in and of itself, I think is a good way of describing it. It's got its own vibe. It's got its own feel. It's got its own, it's got its own entire sort of culture built into it. And the fact that Wadapalooza started there and has thrived there, it tells you that Wadapalooza leans into that culture in a really meaningful way. And one of the things that they really nail in terms of the festival feel is the park, Bayfront Park, it just gets packed with people, packed with people. Tens of thousands of people are coming in to watch people exercise, to go into the um, the vendor villages, to buy merch, to you know meet and talk to athletes who are maybe not there to compete, but are there on behalf of some sponsors. There's just stuff to do constantly. And if at any point you're just like, nah, I'm just fitnessed out, not interested in being here anymore, you are quite literally in downtown Miami. You just walk a couple blocks up and you can do anything that you want, probably literally anything that you want. So Miami is a great host for an event like this. It brings together a lot of different vibes of people. Um, the types of, of sort of interactions that you have there are very novel and unique to Miami um, and to Wadapalooza. It's a great like overlapping Venn diagram of stuff. And in terms of what to expect from the competition, if you're there in person, you know, it's crowded, it's exciting. There's a lot of energy. Everyone is super pumped to be there. The cheering is off the hook. The, the sort of the way that the stages are created they're all kind of sort of built like coliseums. They're they're much, much smaller, but it's all kind of sort of built with these like, you know, stepped up ladder increasing seats, um, bleachers on either side or, or really on, on only one of the stages do they have it on either side. But the other two stages, you know, it, it has these like um, these these bleachers kind of set up next to them. Uh, there's really not a bad view in the in the house. There's an intangible vibe to the nighttime, especially Friday and Saturday nights where it's the most busy. The events are usually popping off, you know, from a logistical standpoint, if you just remove the, the expectation of going there and having a good time and like partying and fitnessing your, your brains out, 
if you if you remove that expectation and just and and just look at it from like a logistical standpoint, Wadapalooza is probably. It, I I think it would probably qualify as like a work of art. You know, I, I mean, I don't really know how else to describe it. Um, there are so many challenges involved to putting on something like this, even if you were doing it in a, a venue that is built for this sort of thing. However, they're doing it outside in Miami. It's in the late February. Usually it's a little bit earlier in the year, whether it was January or, or early February. Um, it, it's late February, which means it's going to rain at least a little bit. So you're outdoors. You have to deal with the weather. You have to deal with the elements. You have to get internet for all of your vendors. You have to get internet for your live stream. You have to get internet for everyone who wants to like jump onto like the guest pass, I guess, or whatever. You know, you have to have your scoring set up. Everything has to get set up in a place that is quite literally just a park the weekend before Wadapalooza and the weekend after Wadapalooza. It is very impressive that they're able to pull it off the way that they are. Um, I have only positive things to say about the um, Wadapalooza, uh, you know, staff and, and everything that they do to, to put everything together. Um, so, you know, there always, of course, are places to improve. This is one of the events that's been around longer than I think nearly every other event. They've learned a lot of lessons, I think, over the years and a lot of places where they excel that other events do not. Um, they really do lean into using Miami as a vibe for not just the event itself, but the programming. And we'll take a look at the programming in a second here, but they basically always have a swim event. They always have something that has to do with like the beach or the water. Um, and ever since, you know, I mean, they got sanctioned last year, last year was the first year they did that. But even before that, they really took the programming very seriously. So Overall, I would say I've had really positive experiences, even sort of the nightmare years that I've been to Wadapalooza. I think it was 2016. It basically rained like a hurricane all weekend long. Everything flooded. Everybody lost power. A sign fell and nearly killed Rich Froning. Craziness. Just absolute shenanigans the entire weekend. No thanks to Mother Nature. And it still ended up being a good time. I mean, I ruined two like legit ruined two brand new pairs of shoes because I was not expecting everything to be as muddy as it was. And I don't think anybody was expecting it to be as muddy as it was. And since then, obviously, you know, they've kind of learned to have a little bit more contingencies involved for weather and stuff, but neither here nor there. Wadapalooza has had a long storied history, lots of things going on. You know, it's, it's got some, it's got some mileage. It's got some mileage and it's got some lessons learned. So uh, I think the first thing we're going to do here is we're going to talk about, the uh the events but before we get anywhere of course as always sponsored by water you thought i was going to bring out a mason jar you're wrong you're wrong you think i'm so basic you think my wife is so basic that she just has mason jars say hello to this jar which probably held some sort of jam the water tastes so much better knowing that i can just cap it whenever i'm done no possibility of it spilling. It's not just going to spill all over my computer. This is this is next level stuff, guys. This is next level stuff. All right, let's go. Let's go ahead and talk about the workouts. Um, okay, so let's uh, make that a little bit bigger so I can see what's going on here. Um, all right, first workout that we've got on here. I don't really know what the order of workouts is. Uh, maybe they have it on the leaderboard somewhere. Uh, which we'll get to in a second because we're going to talk about who to watch at the event. And there are some really, really big names competing this weekend. So let's talk about the events first. And we're going to mainly look at the events as they deal with the elite divisions, both the individual and the team divisions. One of the things that Wadapalooza does that is, you know, really sets it apart is the fact that it tends, it has such a broad and inclusive list of divisions through which people can compete. And uh, while you can't see that here because loose is only going to be happening for the elites, you'll see that in a second with how many different divisions there are. They have thousands of athletes that show up. So when I say that the logistics of an event like Wadapalooza is a work of art, I, I quite literally mean that they are doing something that no one else can do and should be studied and appreciated for its beauty. Because they're coordinating three stages, 
dozens of different divisions with thousands of athletes who have to move around from each of these different stages and do different workouts at different times of the day. It's, it is amazing. But first let's go and talk about the workouts that the elites are going to do. Bang, bang. First one is called loose. Loose is a hero workout. It is three rounds per time, one K run, 10 or seven ring muscle-ups, depending on male or female, and 100 squats. And you're going to do all of this in a GORUCK backpack weighted down 20 pounds or 14 pounds. Now, it's originally written, uh, if I remember correctly, on main site using a weight vest. That's why it's 20 pounds, 14 pounds. Those are the weights that usually we see happen when we're talking about you know weight-vested workouts like Murph, for example. This workout, loose, is really, really fun. Uh, I have an interesting story about loose. I, I did this workout many, many, many years ago, uh, when it was first released onto main side, I did it with a weight vest. Uh, I was, I was ready and willing to suffer for the entirety of the workout. I did it with a couple friends of mine, uh, out at CrossFit Los Angeles, which was the first gym that I ever joined back in like 2008, 2009. Um, and it was a wonderful, wonderful day. The workout went great. Uh, I did not die during the workout. That's a that's just chalk that up to a bonus, really. Uh, that afternoon, we had a barbecue at my parents' house. My friends came over. It was it was a really good day. Then, in the middle of the night, I woke up and I started vomiting blood, which is super dope. In case you're wondering, um, and and I didn't stop vomiting blood for a minute. You know, just long enough to be not concerned because really, like, I'm from Los Angeles. So, you know, what is concerning truly? Like, what do I, what do I really have to worry about being from LA, being a West Coast guy? All right. Um, vomiting blood after a workout. Let's see how this pans out. Uh, never happened again. I was able to go to sleep right afterwards. No problem. Uh, never had any issues with my gastrointestinal system. I didn't have any sort of major health problems. Nothing ever came of it. And what I'm trying to say here is sometimes you vomit blood after doing a hero workout. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, let's not, nobody take that advice. Well, if you vomit blood, go see a doctor, please. It, I, I don't be an idiot. Like I was go see a doctor. If you vomit blood. And mom, if you're watching this, I'm fine. Just pretend I made that story up because it's entertaining. Okay, let's go ahead and see what the workout is like for the teams of four. You know what I mean? Let's pretend like that story never got out. And my mom's not worried about it right now. So the team version of this workout is the exact same. 1K team run, 15 ring muscle-ups, 75 synchro squats. Uh, I think it's the first time we've seen synchronized squats show up for the teams that does not involve a worm um, or some sort of connected implement. So that's pretty cool. Um, I don't really think that this is going to be a big teamwork workout. Um, what I what I am curious about, and I don't know exactly whether they have all the details here, uh, whether you have to wait until everybody is uh, is back before you start the ring muscle ups, or whether you have to wait until everybody's done with the ring muscle ups before you start the squats. I don't really know exactly how that's going to work, but. It's a good workout. We're just going to throw it out there. Loose is a good workout. If you haven't done it before, set aside a weekend. It's a good time. Now, let's see what's up here. Miami Heat. Miami Heat is another workout that they released that is elites only. The Okay, so the cool thing about this workout is it's it's a workout where they cut throughout the workout. So it's it's for time 30 or 20 assault bike calories. 30 foot overhead walking lunges. And you're just doing that as quickly as you can each round. They're removing the bottom field, right? So it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be everybody going through it. Then they're going to remove the, the bottom of the field. And it's only the top 20 that go on to the next round. And you're going to do it again. And they're going to remove the bottom of the field and then only the top 10 do it the next time. So it's two minute rounds over and over and over again. So really it's, it's a very, very fast, very, very brutal workout. The team version of it is very similar, same deal, except there's just one cut. It just cuts once and uh, it has uh, it has sort of like the male, male, female, male, female sort of cadence to it. Um, 
we haven't seen something like this happen outside of like the uh, elimination tournaments. Um, usually that's for the obstacle courses at the CrossFit games, not really the biggest, uh, the biggest sort of bright light that comes on your mind when you think, okay, well, what if I do something like that with a fitness, like a CrossFit couplet, which would be the sprint, um, assault bike calories, overhead walking lunges. But I think it works well together because mainly of how quick this workout is. Um, each of these pieces are going to be a little bit uh, like pretty fast. I mean, you only have two minutes to do it on the men's side, three minutes to do it on, on the women's side or on the, on the uh, uh, team side. So what you're really looking at here is this really quick sort of like elimination style, just win and you're in style, you know, tournament, which is cool. It's not quite built like a tournament. I keep using that phrase, but you get what I'm saying. There's eliminations. And finally, there's only a couple of people standing at the very end there. Sounds fun. Pump sesh, trip late. Now, I think this is one of those workouts where you're going to see how many, just look at how many different divisions we're talking about here. Elite, elite team, RX, RX team, intermediate, intermediate team, scaled, scaled team, beginner, dope. I love the fact that they have a beginner's below scaled, right? Or separate from scaled. Love it. Then they have one, two, three, four, five different master's divisions, six different master's divisions, two teenager divisions, and they have adaptive competition, both seated and standing prescribed, seated and standing scaled. That's about as inclusive as you could possibly get. I am, uh, that's, I just really like that about Wadapalooza. Good for them for making that happen. The pump sesh triplet is for time, three rounds of two or one legless rope climbs to a tall rope, 18 feet. So essentially what you're talking about is one extra pull per rope climb. Will this make a big difference? Maybe. Let's look at the other movements. 15 dumbbell bench press, 70s on the men's side, 50s on the women's side, nine dumbbell thrusters using the same dumbbells. So is it going to make a difference to, uh, to get through that extra pull on legs rope climb? Not for the best athletes, hundred percent, not going to be an issue on the women's side. I suspect it's going to add up on that last round, but this is not very much volume. So if you imagine it being, let's say one and a half, just because there's a little bit extra pull at the very end there, it's not it's not double, right? So you're really only talking about three, maybe five equivalent, equivalent of five legless rope climbs. Easy peasy. Even with a workout that's quick eight minutes, I think most of the top women are going to have no problem finishing this. That said, if I know how they sort of organize things at Wadapalooza, having been there over the years, my guess is this is a workout that's going to take place on the actual base stage, which is a workout uh, area that is directly on the water. And the reason why I'm thinking this is where it's going to be is because that's usually where they have the really big rig, the really tall trusses that you can hang longer ropes off of. So I'm thinking if that's where it's going to be, that's a one, a very, very cool um, locale to have a workout like this. Uh, the dumbbell bench press, you're going to be staring up into the sun. So you might want some sunglasses if it's during the day, you know, you're going to be uh, surrounded on all sides by thousands of people who are watching you and cheering you on. However, that rope climb 18 feet in that space versus 18 feet in a, a gym with very tall ceilings, for example, like at mayhem, it feels different. You're out in the elements Maybe the, the, the rigged trussing thing is a little bit of sway to it. It's just enough to make you feel slightly uncomfortable. And that is the type of thing that, you know, maybe gives you a bit too much pump in your forearms. You're squeezing too hard on the workout or on the rope climbs because you're just a little bit more nervous. That sort of thing adds up over time. I'm curious to see if that becomes a factor for these, uh, these athletes, the elite team version of the pump sesh triplet is, uh, 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 gendered pairs, right? Male, male together, female, female together. The male, male pair is going to do nine legless rope climbs. They're doing shorter. They're doing the 15 foot, which makes me think that it's going to be marked off separately with different types of tape. It probably goes all the way up to like 20 feet or something like that. Um, but the, uh, the, the markings are going to be different for, for the individuals and the teams. And it's going to be 
Nine Lugless Rope Climbs, 30 Dumbbell Bench, 30 Dumbbell Thrusters, seven Lugless Rope Climbs, 20, 20, five Lugless Rope Climbs, 10, 10. And then the women are going to do seven, five, three on the Lugless Rope Climbs and 30, 20, 10 on the Dumbbell Bench and Thrusters, uh, just like the men do. Before we, you know, obviously we're going to talk about who to watch at this competition, but if you don't know already, Mayhem is going to be there. Rich is going to be there. The team's going to be there. If you don't know this, let me let you in on a secret. Rich Froning and his team do a legless rope climb and bench press workout literally every week. It happens every Wednesday. I can even tell you when it's going to happen. It happens every Wednesday because Wednesday is also the day that they run. So they run on Wednesday mornings and after they thrash their lower body, what else is there left to do but to thrash your upper body and Basically, every single time that that happens, which is literally every Wednesday, the workout is legless rope climbs and bench press. In fact, on this channel, you may or may not have seen this, but on this channel, I have a video of me doing that exact workout, legless rope climb and bench presses, although I scaled to strict pull-ups because I'm 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 just not rich froning, I guess. I was about to say I'm a little bitch, but I'm not a little bitch. I'm just not rich froning. I wasn't going to do, you know, legless rope climbs, but either way. I did that exact same session with them. I ran on Wednesday morning and then we came back in after we thrashed our lower bodies and we did a a pump sesh, quite literally a pump sesh. Uh, It was a different type of workout than this, but during that workout, I saw Rich do more volume with heavier bench and more volume on his legless rope climb individually than is in this entire workout multiple times. So... I'm guessing, just throwing this out there, they probably have a lot of experience with with this exact combination. I think they're going to be just fine when this one pops up. Uh, Let's see. Nine Lives is another workout that's been announced at this point. It is uh, 36 clean and jerks for time with uh, every minute on the minute, nine chest to bar pull-ups. Rest two minutes, 36 snatches for time, every minute on the minute, nine toes to bar. That's the individual side. So uh, they have all these rules about how it works. We don't worry about rules. We're not worried about rules, guys. None of those rules matter except for, you know, the actual integrity of the competition and everybody that's going to be doing it. But let's let's not worry about that. What we're going to worry about here is take a look at the team version of this workout. Slightly different, same general idea, but slightly different. 100 chest to bar pull-ups, 100 toes to bar, 50 clean jerks, 50 snatches, 25 worm thrusters. The interesting part here is that the work can only be performed when the worm is off the ground. We've seen something kind of like this show up at the CrossFit Games before where there was some worm work and then there was rope climbs, I believe, uh, in that team workout. And the team had to hold the worm out on the floor while the members went and did whatever the other thing was, which I'm pretty sure was rope climbs. Uh, Maybe it was handstand push-ups. I honestly don't remember seeing so many CrossFit workouts at this point, guys. But either way, that's a really decent twist for a workout like this. You always wonder how do you wrap in more and more teamwork? The thing about team workouts is that generally speaking, they're going to be, unless it's all the team members on one implement like the Big Bob, or uh, if you've seen Brazil has the scrum, like the rugby scrum machine, um, which is just kind of like a really big, big Bob that you put your entire body into, but basically unless you're really working the entire team onto one implement, most team workouts spread out over time. That's why most of the team workouts are 17 minute cap, 20 minute cap, 25 minute cap. And it's not because they're doing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reps every single time. It's because these workouts require you to coordinate four people doing enough work for it to kind of test some capacity And it needs to come together in a way that makes it actual teamwork, which is one of the most challenging parts about programming for teams. This is a really decent way of making that happen because you're forcing the team to make a really key decision. All right, who are the three people that are going to stay back to hold on to the worm? Who's the one person that's going back? How do you adjust on the worm to make, you know, the, the lives of everybody there easier. You know, there, there's, there's some decisions that need to be made and that, that decision-making is part of what makes good team testing. Now let's go back to the individual side of this workout. I like this workout. It's, uh, we talked about this a little bit with the, um, the, the workouts that we were looking at, uh, a couple weekends ago where it had, you know, very strange numbers. We were looking at Norwegian CrossFit championship. They had this workout with, uh, wall ball and toes to bar. And originally it was like 60, 
four wall ball and 38 toes to bar. A very strange number. They had to change it because they, they had to make the wall ball a little bit lighter. But the, uh, the, the strangeness of numbers in CrossFit, I think, is a sort of underused tactic in testing fitness. And it should definitely be looked at more often. And the reason why I say that is if you are presented with a workout that's like 21, 15, 9, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, three rounds of 30, 30, 30 right? 100, 100, 100, 100. These are, these are rep schemes that we're very used to. Even rep schemes that aren't normal, four rounds of 25, 25, 25. It's like, these are things uh, where it makes some sort of very strange cosmic sense that the numbers should add up that way, or the numbers should have some sort of rhythm or relationship with one another. So what are we used to? We're used to Grace. We're used to Isabel. We're used to 30 muscle-ups for time. It's 30 reps, right? What happens when you make them do 20% more work? 36 reps. Well, you have to pace it slightly differently. 20% more work, that that adds up. Secondarily, it's a little bit heavier. So there's there's all these little tricks that you can make, right? It's not as interesting to see someone do at like a CrossFit competition. I know I talked about Eddie Hall doing grace and I'm still, I'm still very pumped about that. But it's not as interesting to see a workout like Grace show up or Isabel show up on its own at a competition because those workouts have been around forever. Everyone has done some version of that a thousand times, especially these top end athletes. So when you're able to throw in a little bit of a variation, it doesn't have to be even something that's like way out of left field, like we're doing Grace, but with kettlebells, check it out. That's cool, but it doesn't have to be that way. It can simply just be we're doing grace and then some. It's a little bit heavier. It's a little bit more reps. Let's see what that does to your body. Now, granted, this workout is slightly more than just a little bit heavier, a little bit more reps. They're doing both heavier and more reps on the clean jerks, on the grace portion of it. They're doing slightly lighter, um, but still more reps on the Isbell portion of it. And they're throwing in a whole bunch of toes to bar and chest to bar pull ups in the middle there. So, you get what I'm saying. There's a little bit of variation there, but the variation at its core is about just squeezing in a little bit more work. How are your transitions? How is your barbell cycling? How are you able to deal with having just slightly more involved in this workout? Um, and then the last workout that they've announced is down up. Here's one of those rep schemes that we can all recognize and say absolutely not to. 12, 9, 6, 9, 12 of deadlifts and bar facing burpees. The men's weight's 335. The women's weight is 225. Now, if you are interested in being good at CrossFit from a competitive standpoint, also, how dope is this jar? All right. If you're interested in being good at CrossFit from a competitive standpoint, you should probably be looking at and doing these very, very common combinations all the time. Some sort of pulling and some sort of burpees, deadlifts, power cleans, snatches, you name it, right? Rowing, throw that in there. Suddenly we have, you know, workouts that have shown up at the games, at regionals, at sanctionals, at the open. These are all different types of workouts. All of them involve some sort of pulling and bar facing burpees. So you should be doing that combination a lot. Is this specific combination something that's going to be new for the athletes there? No, it's not. But do you know why it's not going to be new? Because it sucks and everyone knows it sucks. And obviously it's a good test that has withstood the test of time itself. It is what Nassim Taleb would refer to as Lindy, right? In that for the very short period of time that CrossFit has existed, this combination has also existed. So Heavy-ish deadlifts, bar-facing burpees. If you're curious, by the way, in terms of the volume here, we're looking at, uh, let's see, 24, 18, 6. uh, You're looking at 48 reps, which is, I'd say, a reasonable number of reps for a workout like this. If you were comparing it to, like, older uh, workouts that did something similar, there was the 21, 15, 9 deadlifts and box jumps 
Um, I believe it was 315 on the men's side, 205 on the women's side, and 30-inch box jumps on the men's side, 24-inch on the women's side. That was from regionals years ago, like like a different era. And we were doing that just fine. People were finishing in like the three to four minute mark. So you add, you know, 20 pounds to that. You add a few more reps. You do bar facing burpees, which lets you go a little bit faster. Yeah, yeah, I think it totally makes sense. Uh, the team version of it is uh, partner deadlifts, right? Uh, male, female partners. 15, 12, 9 is the first version of it. I love it when they do this. Partner deadlifts and synchro bar facing burpees. The second version of it takes that workout 15, 12, nine, and just mashes it up into one chipper, 36 deadlifts, 36 bar facing burpees. Yowza. Um, usually the rounds version of this thing is easier by a long shot. In this case, it's easier by a mile doing that many deadlifts. You just get, you get stuck inside of this rep scheme like if you've ever tried doing something like fran but as 45 and 45 technically if you were like the best crossfitters in the world i guess and you just could do 45 straight thrusters into 45 straight pull-ups it should be faster than doing 21 15 9 however realistically speaking losing a couple of seconds here and there for transitions and not having to do giant sets is actually a detriment to most of your performance. And again, I'm talking about like the vast majority of us, this type of a workout, it really does. You just get, you get, you get quicksanded into those deadlifts. The burpees, not so much, but you get quicksanded into those deadlifts. And if you're not ready for doing 36 partner deadlifts, at one clip, it's going to add up. It's going to add up and it's going to, it's going to kick you in the teeth. And, uh, and no one likes getting kicked in the teeth guys. Let's be honest. I mean, if you do, maybe you're into, maybe you're into some weird stuff, but, uh, definitely not, definitely not into, into getting kicked in the teeth. Um, let's see, we're going to take a look at the, uh, at the athletes as well here for a second. Um, I'm just going to take a look to see if there's any questions right now. Let's see. Is there a reason why they went with the go ruck via or versus the weighted vest? Uh, probably sponsorship. Yeah. My guess is it's probably due to sponsorship. Um, go ruck, uh, has been really making a push into a lot of these different sanction events. We saw them, uh, be used at the mayhem classic. Um, We've seen them use at the CrossFit Games. Uh, various sanctionals use them. Weight vests, I think a big part of why you start seeing more GORUCK showing up or just like the weighted backpack showing up versus the weight vest is because uh, it's just an uncommon implement. It just kind of sort of throws people for a loop when they have to do something a little bit different. And I think that's really what the, what the key is there. Um, I think that's really what the key is there. So let's go ahead and take a look at the athletes because there's a whole lot of them and i have notes here because there are let's see let's see if i can unlock my phone with my face there we go uh there are let's zoom in there so we can all see what's going on there are a lot of athletes on the elite men's women's and team divisions there's a whole lot of people on the men's side there are 10 athletes who already have their spot at the crossfit games via either open previous sanctionals or through the national champion situation. So those athletes are Ben Smith, Cole Sager, Fabian Benedo, uh, Jean-Simon Roy Lemaire, Logan Collins, Noah Olson, Patrick Vellner, Scott Tetlow, Willie George, and Zach George. So uh, um, <clears throat> what do we expect to see here? Well, there are a few names here that are going to be making a push for their qualifying spot and you know, who could very well place within the top 10. That's really what it's going to take. I mean, we saw something like this happen at the Rogue Invitational last year. Chandler Smith earned his way to the CrossFit Games. He placed on or just outside of the podium, I think on the podium last year, even though all he had to do was basically place like ninth or 10th or something, and he would have gotten the spot. So it doesn't necessarily mean just because there are 10 qualified athletes that it's 11th place that's going to take it. You have to still have to show up and you still have to compete. 
And so when we look at it that way, who's going to be able to show up and compete? Well, a couple of the names that don't have spots already, Adrian Moonweiler, he is uh, a hoss of a human being, probably the single best bicyclist in CrossFit because that's what his old school previous life before fitness was. Um, you know, he's been to the CrossFit games a bunch of times, you know, did not qualify through the open is looking to get his spot. Albert Dominic LaRouche, uh, old school, OG, badass CrossFitter showing up back in an individual competition setting. Um, I suspect that he's going to be a little bit rusty, but he's also a veteran. So he absolutely knows how he needs to prepare and how he needs to get ready for it. I'm curious to see how that preparation has paid off coming into like his first individual competition, his first serious individual competition in a long time. Alec Smith. Now we've mostly seen him compete on teams over the past couple of years, but you know, he's no slouch. I mean, he's got wheels. He can sprint super fast. He's gymnasty unlike anybody else on the face of the planet, but he's also incredibly strong. You know, he took his sweet time getting to the CrossFit games, you know, regional appearance after regional appearance after regional appearance, and finally was able to punch his ticket with his big brother, Ben there as well. And he did well when he was at the games, just didn't have like sort of the breakout showing that, you know, maybe some people ascribe to him, even though I I thought he did, he did pretty well for his um, rookie season. His games appearances have been really solid, especially if you count in the team competition experience that he's had in the meantime. So I'm curious to see how all of it kind of comes together for, um, for an individual competition. I mean, he's super fit guys. So you've got it. Like you've got to have your eyes on him, right? You can't not have your eyes on him. Uh, A couple other athletes that we got to take a look at here. Uh, Christian Lucero, Christian Lucero was, I believe in a qualifying position through the open, but uh, got dinged a couple times, maybe one big one, maybe two small ones across his videos and therefore was not able to qualify uh, through the open. But he's also one of these like veteran OG CrossFitters that's been at the games a few times in the past. Hasn't really had the sort of uh, luck over the course of the last couple seasons that you would expect. Um, if you guys remember, he was one of the injuries during the, uh, the, the uh, let's say, I think it must have been the 2018, 2017, 2018, one of those CrossFit Games years where everybody was busting their pecs during regionals like Nick Urankar and Christian Lucero. It was, the, it was the year that had both the high volume muscle ups and the sprinting workout with ring dips in it. Um, so I don't know. We kind of saw a bunch of athletes uh, pop a peck. And I believe Christian was one of those athletes that hurt himself during that season, um, even though I think he was in a position to qualify at the moment of, of his injury. Um, Jonathan Gibson, another guy who's been on the verge of making it to the CrossFit Games a few times, like in terms of being at regionals and barely missing it, you know, barely missing it off the open leaderboard a couple years ago. Um, he had like a, a, a weird elbow injury. Uh, I believe it was either his elbow, it might've been his shoulder, but I'm pretty sure it was elbow, uh, because he had some very, very weird elbow issues, extension issues. Last time I saw him in Ireland at filthy 150. So he definitely wasn't himself, but if he's healthy, if he's on, I mean, he can definitely challenge these guys for a, a spot at the CrossFit games and he's, he's really fit. Um, and he's, he's got that old school, like hockey player mindset where nothing hurts like even with a jacked up elbow he was still out on the floor in uh, in ireland doing like handstand walks and stuff and i was like bro like what <laughs> doesn't doesn't this slow you down even a little bit he's like yeah it did slow me down i was like i couldn't tell i couldn't tell at all all right so let's take a look at the women's uh the women's side here and i know i probably missed somebody but you know we'll be fine. They'll be fine. We'll all be fine on the women's side. It's the same deal, except even crazier. Cause there are 14 women's competitors that already have their spot at the CrossFit games. That's Alana Fisk, Amanda Barnhart, Brooke Wells, Danny Spiegel, Danielle Brandon, Haley Adams, Carrie Pierce, Caitlin Van Zyl, Kendall Vincelet, Christine Best, Laurie Kuna, Meg Reardon, Sarah Sigmund's daughter, and Tia Claire Toomey. So, if you're not excited to see Sarah Sigmund's daughter go head to head against Tia Claire Toomey, did you not just hear the words I said? Sarah Sigmund's daughter going head to head against Tia Claire Toomey. Um, 
Yes. Yes, please. More of that. Let's do it. Let's have three weekends of that in a row. Why not just every weekend until the CrossFit Games? Every weekend forever. 100 weekends of Sarah Sigmund's daughter versus Tia Claire Toomey. Let's do it. Here's the thing. Sarah Sigmund's daughter, I believe, has the most wins, sanctional wins, of any athlete. I think she's won three at this point, maybe four. Tia Claire Toomey is the reigning Wadapalooza champion. Sarah's had a really successful season this year so far. She won the Open. She won uh, She won two sanctionals already this season. Um, she's absolutely on a tear. She's kind of this reborn version of herself, very free, very excited, very happy to be doing what she's doing. Not as her, uh, her, her manager told me, she's not held down by anything. She's not weighed down by any sort of, uh, uh, sort of prior, you know, obligations in any way. She's just free to be Sarah Sigmund's daughter. If she wants to travel and train somewhere, she's going to travel and train somewhere. If she wants to hunker down in Iceland and spend all of her time training in a barn. She'll, she can do that. So she has this like freedom of her, uh, that, that, you know, kind of brings her back to her old excited self, which is really fun to see her compete. And on the other hand, you have Tia Claire Toomey, the greatest female CrossFitter of all time. No doubt about it. Literally no doubt about it. And has had a dominant, dominant showing in-person competitions over the past few years including probably the single most dominant CrossFit Games performance of all time last year and a brutally dominant performance at the Mayhem Classic earlier this year. So we're talking about a, a you know Sarah Sigmund's daughter better than she's ever been, basically on the verge of snatching 100 kilos, 220 pounds, by the way, massive, and a Tia Claire Toomey, the greatest cross, female CrossFitter of all time, still in her prime. It's it really is going to be a, an exciting weekend in terms of the competition between those two. But that's not to to throw out like, you know, there's other really top athletes here. You know, Brooke Wells may not have had a great CrossFit Games last year, but she was a line penalty away from basically fighting for a podium spot, realistically speaking, right? Same thing with athletes like Danny Spiegel. We saw her really make a splash last season by competing at I don't know, 900 different sanctioned events and winning the snatch or clean and jerk in every single one of them. Um, these are just athletes who are really fun to watch, exciting to, to see them compete against one another. And I've said this before about the sanctionals. I'll say it again, and I mean it every single time. The fact that we get to see athletes compete in these unique combinations, these combinations that would never have existed outside of the sanctional system itself, that alone, that alone is a huge thumbs up to what the sanctional season means. The fact that we can watch and witness and sort of be entertained by people competing against one another who outside of the games years ago would never have crossed paths. That alone is a huge thumbs up and a huge positive for the sanctional season um, and that format. So it's just really cool to see like, you know, outside of the games, can you name a single time that you've seen Sarah Sigmund's daughter go head to head with against T. Claire Toomey? I don't know. Can you? I'll, I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to wait. I was going to say I'm, I'm going to wait, but I'm not going to wait because you guys can't talk to me and I don't, I can't see any of your comments right now. So. It is what it is. I'm just going to drink some water. So we've talked about the men's side. We've talked about the women's side. There is, in fact, a pretty dope team competition going on as well. So let's take a look at the team competition. The teams to watch. There are a few teams that already have their spots at the CrossFit Games. Things are kind of... Uh, okay. It's hard. I, I don't really know how the rule book plays out for this. For example... Um, Ramwad Meat Squad is on this team list. Uh, here they are right here. Ramwad Meat Squad. However, the team members are slightly different. So do they have their, is, do they count as a team that's already qualified? I don't know. Uh, it basically is the same athletes, but instead of Dex Hopkins, it's Tim Paulson. So I, I mean, I don't. I honestly have no idea. 
I, I don't know. They, they basically replaced like, you know, half or one quarter of their team. So is it the same team? The same thing with um, Team Gowad. Team Gowad, half the team, if you were to look at uh, at the team list here, Taylor Williamson, Andrew Nissler, they're qualified. But they added in some heavy hitters, Street Horner, Luke Schaefer. So maybe they've got a spot. Who knows? We also have two Mayhem teams. Mayhem Freedom, which is Rich's team, the A team, Rich, Tasia, Scott, China. And, uh, and then we have Mayhem Independence, which is the uh, second string team, Chase Hill, Royce Dunn, Kristen Miller, and Fee Sagafi. Um, Royce Dunn, individual athlete, was qualified for the games before. Kristen Miller has plenty of games experience. Fee Sagafi just qualified for the games this season out of the Mayhem Classic. So maybe it was kind of like a, a, a dry run for her. They were like, hey, Fee, you did really, really good. What if you came and competed on our team with us in Miami? She was like, oh, okay. Sounds great. I'll see you guys there. I love the sun. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of different teams to take a look at here. Other teams to watch, uh, JST Compete. Uh, let's see if I can bring them up here. They qualified last year for the CrossFit game. Stephen Fawcett has been involved in the CrossFit game forever. And uh, he puts together a pretty dope team every year. Uh, they qualified for the games last year. Let's see. Uh, Victory Grips has a huge, huge list of just stacked athletes. Alex Parker, Meredith Ruth, Ethan Helbig, Easy Muhammad. I mean, these are, there's a lot of games experience within these individuals and they're coming together to compete um, on a team in Miami. You know, it doesn't mean that they're going to qualify. Well, last year we saw a team come together um, in Wadapalooza and beat Mayhem, the the wit Ramwad combo team that Alec Smith was on, uh, that team beat Rich Froning's Mayhem Freedom version one of the 2019 season um, at Wadapalooza to get their spot to the CrossFit Games. So we've seen it happen before. And another team uh, is the actual team Wit. They have uh, someone you may have heard of before, Samantha Briggs, kind of a badass. You know what I mean? Kind, just kind of a badass. Michael Smith. Ireland's own, also kind of a badass. Harriet Roberts, she competed at the games last year on the team. She's pretty badass too. And Joshua Chama, yeah. I mean, these are guys and girls that are super, super talented. Very strong, very strong teams. Um, honestly, I was a little bit worried that the team competition was not going to be, let's say, dope when we first see some of the uh, some of the teams that are showing up. But that said. Uh, the team competition looks like it's really shaping up. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be very, very cool. So one of the most common, uh, things that is talked about when it comes to the, um, Wadapalooza specifically is the live stream. So I'm going to go ahead and just, we're going to, we're going to take a second here. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you guys, by the way, I just saw someone ask who's on the U S army warrior fitness team. That is Brian Harris, Jacob Pfaff, uh, Rachel Schreiber, and Casey Clark. So uh, the Warrior Fitness team, by the way, the Army Warrior Fitness team, that's the that's the group that Chandler Smith is sort of like, you know, they're a big part of the recruiting part of, you know, the U.S. Army. I, I believe he's he's a he's part of that. That's why he gets to compete at so many of these different competitions. But what I was saying was regarding the uh, the live stream. So if you did not know this. Let me break some facts down for you. I used to work for a company called Flow Sports. I was the senior editor for Flow Elite. If that sounds familiar, it's because Flow Elite is the company that is handling the live stream for not just Wadapalooza, but several other of their events. What does that mean? That means that the live stream is going to be behind a paywall. I've heard it a million times. I'm I'm not going to argue with you. I get it. It's super annoying. All the other events are either not doing one or doing it for free. I get it. Allow me to lay down some, uh, maybe some perspective here. Why? Why do we see some events take on a behind the paywall live stream? Why do we see some events just? put it out there themselves. It's difference in the business model. It's difference in the choice here. The money is very, very important in a situation like 
um, in a situation where the events sort of eat the cost themselves, it's very, very unlikely that they make that money back, especially when you're talking about the types of productions that are involved in creating the live feel, the live broadcast for you know these types of CrossFit competitions. What Flow is able to do is take that expense off the off the plate of these events. They basically say, you're not going to be spending money on it. In fact, you're going to make money on your live stream. And that is a very, uh, that's a really, uh, that's a really tempting offer. You know, not every sanctional takes it, but obviously Wadapalooza is one of the sanctionals that took it. So if you're trying to watch Wadapalooza, you're going to watch it on Flow Elite. That's that's basically the only place to watch it. They will have some, and I've spoken to some of the people that are still there. Um, they will have some parts of the weekend that are, that are uh, broadcast for free, kind of like a teaser so you can watch it. Um, and so you can sort of get an idea of what it is you're going to be paying for. They have commentators on the elite heats for sure. I don't think they're going to have commentators on the, uh, the other, uh, divisions and, um, you know, the production has improved year after year after year. You know, they've, they've gotten better and smarter with doing their production over time. That said, uh, it is absolutely a challenging a, ch- a very challenge, and I'm speaking from this from a perspective of someone who both was literally involved in the actual live streaming portion and the content creation portion of that business, and as someone who, after that involvement, has gone on to see and talk to and be, you know, at least not as intimately involved, but at least tangentially involved in the live streams of other events of similar size and similar styles and what they have been doing. So, you know, the challenges involved in live streaming something that is all outdoors, that is not designed for um, broadcast consumption. Here's what I mean by that. When you look at the way the games are designed or the way regionals are designed, it's created in order to be consumed by an audience, right? Wadapalooza, as I mentioned before, they've got thousands of people competing. They have to balance the visual excitement of a workout with the fact that 3,000 people or whatever have to do that workout over the course of the weekend. And that is a very challenging logistical decision to make. You start getting much bigger, wider fields of play with you know, 15, 20, 25 different lanes it's very hard to see exactly who's where because there isn't that, you know, sort of chronological movement across the floor for the workouts, at least not super obvious for every workout. So there are some challenges involved there. Um, will you be able to watch the event on Flow Elite? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, they they one of the things that they've definitely improved on over time is like, you know, having multiple sort of contingency plans like remember that rain year that i told you about in wadapalooza was basically in the middle of a hurricane yeah that was really hard to have a live stream up because power was going out internet was going out it was really dangerous to have camera operators out there you know those were some of the challenges that we ran into uh from that side on the you know uh, flip side of that is they now have camera systems that don't require a lot of you know, hands-on, so they have free-roaming cameras, but the outside cameras are all enclosed so they don't get washed out in case it does rain. They have much better internet connection, much better power, things that they don't have to really worry about having that sort of flaw, right? But, uh, you know, it, it is something that I would strongly suggest, you know, find the live feed version of it. You could probably also go onto their YouTube channel and see maybe some of the replays. I'm not 100% sure, honestly. And you'll see generally what it is you're going to be getting. It's solid. It's not bad. But the reason why I'm telling you this is because the most common complaint that I hear is from people who don't necessarily understand the levels to this game. The fact that, you know, there is absolutely a reason why it's important for a company like Flow Sports to exist in sports like CrossFit because it helps the entire ecosystem. They don't necessarily knock it out of the park every time. And I will be very, very honest with how they do, you know, come my review of Wadapalooza the following weekend. Um, But 
I, I think it's important for you guys to know what it is you're getting into so that if you do pay for it and you do, and you are disappointed by it, like, I don't know, go get a refund. I'm sure they usually do that. So it's not really that big a deal, but you'll be able to at least know generally what you're getting into. If you just go onto their YouTube channel and just like watch a couple of their stuff first, because they've had some events where they were like really solid and they've had some events where they just like completely just drop the ball on it. So my understanding, and I've checked in, like I said, with people that I know that still work at Flow Sports, my understanding is that, you know, the production is going to be uh, on par with, if not slightly better than what it was last year. That's kind of where they try and add in some new flavor here, good you know graphics on the screen. I would not expect to have rep counters. Uh, I would I would really be shocked if they had rep counters. That just adds such a huge level of complication to the amount of volunteers and stuff that you need. So I'd be really surprised if they did that. But, you know, outside of that, like I would su- suspect it's like a su- serviceable product um, that is going to basically give you what you're looking for in terms of the, you know, live stream experience. You know, it's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine to good. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and do that. It's going to be fine to good. That's going to be the range within which the flow broadcast is going to be. And I'm basing that off of the history of flows broadcasts fine to good. Cool. Cool. Now that we're there, that's, that's just where we're at. That is, that is what it is. Uh, let's see if there's any comments. Uh, I paid for it last year for Wadapalooza worst coverage ever and actually got refunded in full. That's from Derek St. John, St. Jean, St. John, let's say St. John. Uh, yeah, there you go. So if you don't like the coverage, they'll, they'll probably refund it. Uh, CrossFit Suriname hate that you can't watch it. If it's a qualifier for CrossFit HQ, it has to make rules about broadcasting. People want to watch and don't want to pay for it. I 100%. Here's the thing. I 100% agree with you. Paying to watch is something that we as spectators and fans of CrossFit never had to do before. However, I, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there that people need to, um, you need to know that there's a lot more going on behind the scenes that isn't involved in necessarily like the first blush read that you might have on a situation. It's really easy to see it and say, oh, well, you know, Wadapalooza just wants to make a ton of money and, you know, this is going to be, uh, they, they, they don't really care about showing the event to people. That's absolutely not the case. You know, the, the fact of the matter is CrossFit, as an, as an organization set the tone wrong for years they outspent what the market was actually supporting in order to put on the broadcast that we saw now that that outspending was written off because the entirety of the crossfit games was marketing everything was marketing everything was look how sexy crossfit is look how dope we can make crossfit look the media was marketing from the movies and the the videos. The open broadcasts were marketing to get people to sign up for the open. The regionals were marketing to get people to watch regionals so they could sell ad space so they can get even more people interested in doing regionals and doing the open. And the games were marketing so they could show it on the airport you know, bar TV screen so that someone can join their local affiliate. It was all marketing. So when you overspend what the market is willing to support, you're never that money you're never going to make back if it was just a business. And that's something that Greg Glassman has talked about a ton. The the games was not a money making business because they were overspending what the market would return to them. You set an expectation. So in a way, we're kind of we kind of have to approach this from a different perspective, not the perspective of us as spectators having been trained to expect X, Y, or Z, but us as adults living in the real world, understanding that there are changes to the way things are done when there isn't sugar daddy, Greg Glassman, just writing the checks for everything to go on. So now that that is out of the case, what I ask you guys to do is don't just write off events like Wadapalooza or other sanctioned events that might put their stuff behind a paywall just because it's behind a paywall. However, if it's too expensive, complain. If it sucks, complain. If you pay for it and it blows, get a refund. Blow them up. 
let's like that part of it is absolutely okay and encouraged. That's the only thing that's going to make the system actually improve over time. What I'm saying is, is do not fall temptation to the very first blush it, uh, reaction that you might have that it's behind a paywall and therefore screw them. Don't fall temptation to that. Experience it, think it through, understand that there are other perspectives involved here. And I think if we can all actually do that and come together and kind of figure out, okay, well maybe there's other stuff going on here and here's why it might be happening and here's how it might be improved down the line, you'd be surprised at how much more quickly everything's gonna improve over the course of, you know, not just a couple of seasons, but just like this season alone. There's a whole nother, you know, reason why none of the broadcasts feel the way the CrossFit Games broadcast felt. And I, I mean, that's a whole nother video in and of itself. But basically, the gist of that is that nothing is designed to be to be consumed via broadcast the way the games and regionals were designed to be consumed via broadcast. And therefore, because broadcast is not a part of the foundational decision making processes involved in making the sanction event from the event programming to the logistical design of the floor to all that stuff. The closest we've gone to that is the Mayhem Classic. They did a really good job of trying to build that feel, kind of sort of learning a lot from way the way regionals was built. But that's the main reason why basically none of the broadcasts feel like regionals or feel like the games because they're not designed from the ground up. Now, if there was an event that was designed from the ground up to be consumed via broadcast that would be different. And I think, like I said, Mayhem Classic is one of those events. It was, it was really just built from the ground up to be consumed via broadcast. So anyway, there was a whole lot that we got into there. Um, that said, uh, let's see. Anybody else have any questions here? Uh, judging this weekend, hope to see you there. Rochelle, I hope I pronounced that right. I will definitely be there. So I'm leaving tomorrow morning. Uh, it's currently right now. It's 5:30 p.m. A little bit past 5:30 p.m. for me um, here at uh, Austin in Austin, Texas. So I'm going to be there tomorrow afternoon. I'll be there all the way through the weekend. I'm going to be hanging out, doing a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, I do not have a discount code for Flow. Just not not happening. So uh, the reason why I don't is because I'd like to sort of be able to stay a, a, a disinterested kind of interested but you know a third party uh without the the optics of uh any sort of conflicts of interest uh down the line and uh that's not to say that you know maybe as the space matures we don't go down that flight um or down that path but uh you know it is, it is what it is um i will be there this weekend like i said there's a lot of really cool stuff that is going on this weekend um I'm going to be doing some live stuff essentially each day. So starting Thursday, noon local time in Miami, I'll start uh, with a live show then. Um, that's the plan. If we have any sort of internet issues, you know, keep your eye on either my Instagram or Twitter or something and I'll, I'll let people know. But um, Or even here on YouTube, I'll have like a little post about it. Um, but the plan is to do something live every single day, whether it's like a recap or an interview or a preview of the next day or something about the competition. I have a bunch of other content going on over the course of uh, you know the rest of the weekend on my Instagram and YouTube, just little interviews here and there, little pre-shot stuff. Chase is coming with me. Chase is going to be helping out, um, doing some really fun stuff with me on uh, across like you know content and social media. So he's going to be on camera with us. It's going to be cool. We're going to talk about some fitness. Um, I have a, I have a merch booth, so, uh, you guys may not know this, but myself and, uh, buttery bros and talking elite fitness and morning chalk up. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm missing anybody here. Basically all of us, like five or six of us that are like big content creators in the space, we, uh, have kind of sort of banded together to have one footprint at Wadapalooza. And it's going to be uh, right near the, uh, I think it's right next to the Chipotle. That's right. There's going to be a Chipotle at Wadapalooza this year. So I think it's right next to the Chipotle. Uh, it's a 10 by 20. So we're going to be doing, uh, I mean, I don't know about them, but the plan is to do like appearances here and there. I'm sure they're going to be showing up too, because it's just going to be a good space for us to be. You can't miss it. 
the tents are branded buttery bros and talking elite fitness. There are these giant, like eight foot by 10 foot uh, banner walls with each of our various logos on them. Uh, mine has a like five foot tall BRP on it. So you can't miss it. I'm probably going to be there most mornings, honestly, because there's going to be free coffee. So if you're going to be there, that's probably where you're going to find me the easiest. Um, other than that, I, uh, I'm, I'm honestly just really excited to be back in Miami. Miami is a great time. Uh, it's always a fun competition. Wadapalooza is this year, um, even more fun. Like I said, because of some of the competition that we're going to be seeing there overall, uh, this season has been super fun so far. And this is the start of kind of like a longer series of travels for me. Uh, we're going to be going to a whole bunch of different events, I'll be at Montreal for the Atlas Games after this. Uh, the weekend after that is West Coast Classic. Uh, two weeks after that is the MAC, right? So there's just, there's so many events that I'm going to be going to. The next like, you know, five or six weeks are going to be super cool. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really excited to, about it. If you want to support the channel, you can go to armandhammer.tv and buy some new merch. I got a new like logo shirt on or even a navy or gray embroidered flat bill snapback. Those are pretty cool. They're for pre-sale right now because we am going to sell them at Wadapalooza, so I might as well sell some to you guys too. And uh, you know, if you don't want to buy merch and you want to support, you go to armandhammer.tv slash support. You can directly support me each month, uh, $21, $15, or $9. It's cute. It works. It, it works. And those of you who are doing that already, really appreciate it. You guys know who you are. Uh, it means a lot to me. Um, thank you so much, everybody, for watching. This has been awesome. I hope you guys learned a thing or two about Wadapalooza. God, there's so much going on in our sport. It's easy to miss some of the most interesting and exciting stories. Like, for example, I have a jar of water. There it is. That's not just a mason jar. That's right. That's not a mason jar. That's just a dope little jelly jar that now has water in it. Remember, folks, I am here to help you not miss any of those interesting or exciting stories. Thank you so much for all your support. I will see you guys very, very soon. Hang tight or whatever we say to end these things, right? <laughs> Either way, if you're in Miami, say what's up. And if you're not, just pay attention to Instagram and YouTube and all that good stuff. And I'll see you guys later. Peace.